Well, I have some good news and bad news for you this morning. And the, the bad news is I was originally going to talk about heaven and hell together. But as I studied the topic, I realized there's no way I can do both at once. So I'm going to talk about the issue of the topic of hell later on in September, actually on a Saturday night after the service. We're going to have a Q&A time and really get into some interesting discussion. I thought this morning that we'd talk about heaven. How many of you like to hear about heaven? All right. Probably more so than hell, okay? But hell is a reality, and uh, one of the things you can just take away from this morning is, is hell is going to be the opposite of everything I'm going to talk about in terms of heaven. And uh, I want you to enjoy the message to, uh, this morning, and so at any point in time you want to just, you know, applaud uh, God or applaud a truth that you're happy about or say amen or whatever, I just want you to kind of feel free to do that because I think when we talk about heaven, we should be happy. We should be filled with joy and not, not depressed and not thinking about this world, okay? In fact, C.S. Lewis has a quote where he said that most of the Christians who've really made a difference in the world have been individuals whose hearts and minds have been more focused on heaven than on earth. And what he means by that is they haven't allowed themselves to be caught up by earthly things, you know, and worries, concerns. They've realized they're here for a mission to make Christ known, but their focus has ultimately been on the goal and the great, you know, the great place of, of heaven, all right? So you have your outlines. We are outline dependent this morning, so make sure you take those out, and uh, we're going to use those. And I want to start with kind of an uh, uh, odd question, maybe not so odd. I think all of us have asked it at some point in our lives. And it comes from a man who suffered so much, his name was Job. In Job chapter 14, verse 14, in the midst of his suffering, he asks this question. He says, if someone dies, will they live again? How many of you have ever wondered that to yourself? If I die, if others die, will they live again? Will I live again besides me? Ever wondered that? All right, four or five of you are honest, okay? He says, all the days of my hard service, I will wait for my renewal to come. Imagine poor Job. He suffered so much. And he's thinking to himself, you know, beyond this life of suffering, is there any relief? Is there any future? Is there any hope? And I love the answer that Jesus gives to us in, Matthew cha- or in John chapter 11, verse 25, when he encounters a woman named Martha whose, hus- uh, whose brother Lazarus has died. And Lazarus was a friend of Jesus, and Martha was a bit put out that Jesus had not come sooner to heal her brother so he didn't have to die. And here's what Jesus says to her. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And I'm asking you this morning, do you believe this? You see, what the Bible teaches us is that if we will put our complete faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as the Savior, and receive Him into my heart by confessing my sins and giving my life over to Him, I am absolutely assured of not only eternal life, but of an eternal home as well. And that's what we call heaven. So let's talk about heaven this morning. And I've broken it up into several questions. First question is, what is heaven? heaven. Now there are about 500 occurrences in our English Bibles where heaven is mentioned and it's usually referring to three different things, one of three different things. Sometimes heaven is used to describe what we've all enjoyed the last couple of days and that is the blue sky and the little clouds and the birds flying in there. Hasn't it been beautiful? Are you enjoying it? 
<clears throat> you better because you know what's coming around the corner, right? And a second way that heaven is used in the Bible is to refer to what you might see in the night sky when you look up and you see the moon and you see the stars and you see the Milky Way. And it's just absolutely beautiful and, and it just takes kind of your breath away as you look at that expanse. And sometimes that's how heaven is used. Sometimes, however, in the Bible, the word heaven is used to describe the abode of God. And what I mean by that is the place where God dwells. All right? God's home. You say, now, wait a minute. I thought that God was like all-powerful, all-knowing, and everywhere present. I mean, that's what it says in the passage there, doesn't it? Psalm 139, verse 8, it says, If I go up the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there there i know that's what it says and i know that god is everywhere at once but listen heaven is that place where god's presence is most uniquely felt and experienced especially by those who are believers who die and go to be with him you know there are a couple of passages that describe that place in the sense that god is there one of them is found in psalm 33 verse 13 and 14. Read it aloud with some gusto with me. Will you please? From heaven. From his what? From his dwelling place. Or I'll read this for you. Hebrews chapter 11. The writer's talking about the, the Old Testament saints. And, and how they were looking forward to. You know what we would think of as heaven. Listen to what he says. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on the earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God For he has, and finish it for me, write this down. For he has prepared a city for them. He has prepared a city for them. God has prepared a city for them. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but that all of us, in a sense, who are followers of Jesus Christ, are illegal aliens in this culture, in this world. Do you know that? This is not my home. This is not where I'm going to spend all of eternity. I'm just, as the old song says, I'm just passing through. Home is where God is. And a place that is is physical yet non-physical called heaven. Which leads me to the second question. Anybody here besides me ever wonder where heaven is? Okay? Yeah, several of you raised your hands. All right? Where is heaven? Is it like, is it north of the North Star? Or is heaven through a black hole, you know, some other, you know, on the, on the other end someplace? One thing I do know is Paul tells me in Philippians 3.20 that my citizenship, our citizenship is where? And it would be nice to know where it is, wouldn't it? Now, I love science. Anybody else love science? I wasn't very good at it, but I like it. And we have some brilliant scientists in our church, people who work like at Fermi and Argonne. And, and, and I talk to uh, one of them in particular quite often. And he's been kind of sharing with me that science is making some discoveries and some probabilities that, you know, a few years ago we would have, you know, scientists would have laughed at. We would have thought of as science fiction. Scientists are now coming to grips, quantum physics, with what's called superstring theory. Anybody heard of that before? 
Anybody heard of silly string theory? Okay, well, anyway, I, I can't wrap my mind around it. But according to this theory, it is very probable that there are literally other dimensions as close to us as a millimeter. Now, just put up with my brain for a minute and watch this video. For most of us, it's virtually impossible to picture the extra higher dimensions. I can't. And it's not surprising. Our brains evolve sensing just the three spatial dimensions of everyday experience. So how can we get a feel for them? One way is to go to the movies. familiar with the real world having three spatial dimensions. That is, anywhere I go, I can move left, right, back, forth, or up, down. But in the movies, things are a bit different. Even though the characters on a movie screen look three-dimensional, they actually are stuck in just two dimensions. There is no back, forth on a movie screen. That's just an optical illusion. To really move in the back-forth dimension, I'd have to step out of the screen. And sometimes, moving into a higher dimension can be a useful thing to do. The existence of giant membranes and extra dimensions would open up a startling new possibility that our whole universe is living on a membrane inside a much larger, higher dimensional space. It's almost as if we were living inside a loaf of bread. Our universe might be like a slice of bread, just one slice in a much larger loaf that physicists sometimes call the bulk. And if these ideas are right, the bulk may have other slices, other universes, that are right next to ours. In effect, parallel universes. Not only would our universe be nothing special, but we could have a lot of neighbors. Some of them could resemble our universe. They might have matter and planets and, who knows, maybe even beings of a sort. Others could certainly be a lot stranger. They might be ruled by completely different laws of physics. Now, all of these other universes would exist within the extra dimensions of M-theory, dimensions that are all around us. Some even say they might be right next to us, less than a millimeter away. But if that's true, why can't I see them or touch them? If you have a brain living in a higher dimensional space and, you, and your particles, your atoms, cannot get off the brain, it's like trying to reach out, but you can't touch anything. It might as well be on the other end of the universe. Isn't that cool? So you're like, what? I don't understand it, but I think it's really cool. I think it's neat that, you know, God, you know, scientists so oftentimes seem opposed, you know, to the ways of God. But more and more, I think science is just that discipline that keeps uncovering the little clues that God has left on how he's made everything. And, and isn't it cool to think that heaven might be like right here? Now, the problem is I'm stuck on this membrane, 
right? But when I die, to be absent from the body is what? It says to be present with the Lord. So you pass through a dimension and you're right there. Are our loved ones that close to us? Okay, I better move on. All right, I think it's very cool. All right, what is heaven going to be like? What is heaven going to be like? Turn in your Bibles to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and chapter 4 and verse 8, 9, 10, 11. Revelation chapter 4. You know, one way to describe heaven and what it's going to be like is for me to say to you that it is going to be a place where we are going to celebrate God's greatness, where we're going to celebrate God's infinite goodness. It's a place where we will bow down to his sovereignty. It's a place where we are going to adore his name. It is a place where we will cast down all of our achievements as kind of an offering of praise to him. And we'll join the beings of heaven that already do this. Listen to these words. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings, day and night. They never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. You know, we have no clue. We have no clue what heaven is going to be like. God will be there in a very unique sense. We will be there with him. And our minds and our hearts and our very beings will be occupied with his awesome and eternal presence. Aren't you looking forward to that? I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I'll I'll tell you why in just a couple minutes. Some of you are. You know, another aspect about heaven that's pretty exciting is that heaven will be a place where there's no more failure, no more limitation, and no more exhaustion. Anybody looking forward to that? Yeah. Why? Well, look what it says in Revelation 22.3. No longer will there be any curse. That's referring to the curse back in Genesis, you know, that caused the mess that fills our environment, that attacks our bodies, that causes us to be opposed to one another. There will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him there. Heaven is also going to be a place where we reign with Christ. It says in verse 5 of Revelation 22, There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, just His very being, and they will reign forever and ever. There's another place in the book of Corinthians where Paul says to us that we are going to reign with God and we will judge the angels. Now, I can't get my mind around what all is involved in that, but to me it's pretty awesome that God invites us to be a part of that experience in heaven. And then the other thing I want you to notice is that in heaven, there will be rest without boredom. Rest without boredom. Revelation 14, 13 says, Then I heard a voice from heaven write this, it said, Blessed are the dead who die as believers in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Holy Spirit, they will rest from their labor. What they have done will not be forgotten. Now, I want you to answer this question honestly, and I will tell you that I have wrestled with it too. Have you ever thought that you might get bored in heaven? I've thought about that. I mean, what do you do after a hundred years or a millennium, right? 
Because we all know that when we get to heaven, we're all going to be handed a golden harp. And it won't take long to master that thing, will it? And who wants to float on a cloud the rest of their life? I mean, that's the typical picture that people have of heaven, isn't it? And no wonder they think about boredom. I have a couple of quotes for you. One's from a biochemist, and he became a science fiction writer, Isaac Asimov, who died several years ago. He wrote, I don't believe in an afterlife, so I don't have to spend my whole life fearing hell or fearing heaven even more. For whatever the tortures of hell, I think the boredom of heaven would be even worse. I wonder where he is. Billy Joel, the music person, wrote, I'd rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the saints. The sinners have much more fun. Now, what's the deal there? What's the problem? They are projecting on heaven what they experience in the here and now. And a lot of times when you and I think about heaven, we think about it in terms of our life experience here, and we think of it in terms of our sinful nature. And a lot of us struggle with boredom. How many of you have kids who struggle with boredom? How many of you, when you were a kid, were bored? How many of you were not as bored as your kids are bored? Right? It just seems to get worse, like epidemic. Why is it that people get bored? It's because of our sinful nature. See, we, we have this emptiness inside of us that we want to have filled. And the more materialistic our culture is, the more we think that things or people will fill it. So we buy this, or we buy that, or we do this, or we do that, or we get this, or we get that, or we think that person or that person will do it. We buy it, we get it, we have the relationship, and what happens? We're still what? We, we get bored. We're so dissatisfied. When you and I get to heaven... That vacuum inside of us that has that emptiness, that longing, it will finally be filled by what was meant to fill it in the first place. And that is God, and we will be eternally satisfied. There will not be any such thing as boredom. Listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 1611. The writer says, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Finish it with me. With eternal pleasures at your right hand. With what kind of pleasures? Eternal what? Wow. In heaven. Eternal pleasures. Pure, good pleasures. For me, it would be unlimited ice cream. For the first millennium. But seriously, eternal pleasures. God is not boring, folks. And, and, and I'm sorry for preachers who've made him boring. I've been around many of them. I grew up underneath them. I hold him my way growing up through the church. God is not boring. His word is not boring. His universe is not boring. Think about just that little video. If there are all those dimensions, we'll spend our whole life searching out those dimensions. Do you think God's boring? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I love I love what it says in Psalm seventeen fifteen, And I, in righteousness, I will see your face when I awake. I will be satisfied with seeing your likeness. Don't you want to go to heaven? I'm not sure. In fact, when I was thinking about this yesterday, kind of finalizing it, my heart and mind was on a run. I, it was like God interrupted me on the run. Didn't hear a voice, didn't see anything, don't worry. But I just had this sudden awareness. And it was like God was saying to me, not everyone, meaning 
believers is really excited to go to heaven. We're not all anxious about heaven because we like our cars. We like our house. We like our boat. We like our toys. We like our life. We like our job. We like our retirement. And, and we're earthbound. And what we don't realize is all that stuff eventually decays and falls away. And, and we won't live eternally here on earth. Pretty soon it'll all be gone. And only what's done for Christ matters. And I think we forget how short life is in comparison to eternity. And this, this week, Marcia and I, my wife Marcia and I, were just, oh, we were just so hurt this week when we got a phone call about some friends back in California where I pastored. I was their pastor who lost their 18-year-old son to a tragic, tragic accident. Man, I just... He, you know, he was my youngest son, Tim's age. When they were little boys, they played together. They stayed over with each other. They played video games. They, and I just thought, ah, oh, he's gone. You know, when you're young, you think you're invincible, don't you? When you're young, you think you'll live forever. When you're young, you don't think about eternity. You think about the now. And the more stuff you have, you numb yourself to eternity. You keep yourself busy with the now. And boom, all of a sudden, life's interrupted by an accident, by cancer. Or by some other issue. But if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, listen to me. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, as hard as that may be to deal with, guess what? You turn the page over and you're in heaven. And, and you begin the journey with God. I'm excited about that. I'm glad I have something to look forward to, aren't you? Some of you are like, well, I don't really want to leave this earth yet. I'm not suggesting you have to leave right now, but when you do leave, guess what? You have a lot to look forward to. A lot to look forward to. Two questions I want to combine. One is, will we have bodies in heaven? And will we have a personality or a personal identity, or will we all be clones in heaven? Yeah, anybody ever thought about that? We'll have a body, we'll have, you know, I have an identity. The answer to the question is, yes, you'll have a body, but a lot better than you got now. And yes, you'll have an identity. I'll know you. You'll know me. Anybody have a trouble with names besides me? Won't have it in heaven, right? Won't have it in heaven. You know, a lot of times when I was a kid, and I was thinking about what is heaven going to be like. I just, I just pictured that like we're these, we're these kind of blobs, you know, because our bodies, you know, are buried. That's how I thought when I was a kid. It reminds me of the Gary Larson cartoon about the boneless chicken ranch. Have you ever seen that one? You know, where it's kind of uh, there, right? And and sometimes I think that's our picture in heaven. We're just kind of like floating through space. But the Bible tells us that we, we will have a body, a resurrected body. It says that our, our physical body's buried, but our spirit goes to be the Lord. And when the Lord returns, he raises up our body, but it's a brand new resurrected body. I can only read a portion of it. It's a lengthy passage of scripture. I hope you read it later. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we uh, hear described for us what it's going to be like. And Paul uses the metaphor of like a seed that dies and then the wheat that grows up. He talks about other things that God gives form and function to. Listen to what he says, beginning in 1 Corinthians 15, 35. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed. Perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined. And to each kind of seed he gives its own body. All flesh is not the same. 
Human beings have one kind of flesh. Animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind. The splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. And star differ from star in splendor. Listen now. So will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is so imperishable, it is raised imperishable. You know, when you stick some stuff in the fridge, you know how it rots and destroys? All right? Our bodies are in decay, aren't they? But when they're raised up, they'll never decay again. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It's sown sinful, but it's raised in glory, perfected. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Isn't that cool? That's just so Awesome to think about. Someday you and I will have new bodies. And sometimes people say, well, how about like little kids who've gone to heaven? What kind of body will they have? And how about older people? What will they have? And, and the only way I know to answer that, because we're not sure, is that we're, our bodies will probably be like our Lord's body when his was resurrected. And, you know, age 30, 31, 32, 33, somewhere in there. I don't know for sure. All I know is there won't be any more wrinkles. Right? There won't be any more worrying about being too thin or too overweight. And everybody will finally have the hair off their heads because we know God created man perfect without hair, right? You don't believe me, do you? Okay, I'll have hair then. All right? How does all this happen? Listen to what Paul says in Philippians 3. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Jesus will superintend this transformation. 1 John 3, 2, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Amen? Wow, so much to look forward to. Can't wait to get to heaven, can you? Ah, at least you're honest. I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm not on a death wish, but I'm looking forward to it. Some of you are looking forward. You finished summer vacation. How many are looking forward to vacation next summer already? You haven't started school yet. How many are you looking forward to spring break? Why don't you look forward to heaven? You looking forward to heaven? I am. I am looking forward to heaven. Who's going to be there? The Bible tells us God is going to be there. The Bible tells us the angels are going to be there. And the Bible tells us that those who put their faith in Jesus Christ will be there. And the last question I want to ask you is this. Will you be there? Will you be there? Last night, I had one of the greatest privileges I ever have when, when, I, when I do what God's called me to do, a minister. I had the privilege of leading a 16-year-old girl to Jesus Christ last night who, after hearing the message, wasn't sure she was going to be there. We prayed together, spent a half hour together. She's my new friend. And I, I just I had such joy in that. And I'm wondering if there's anybody here this weekend who would say, Pastor, I don't know if I'd go to heaven if I died right now. I'm not sure. But I, I want to know for sure. The Bible says, Jesus said, Verily, verily, truly, truly, if I said these things to you, that you may know that you have eternal life and not doubt. 
And this morning, if you want, you can place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ here today and be assured that if you were to die tonight, that you would go and be with the Lord and spend an eternity in heaven. So I'd like to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to give you an opportunity to respond this morning like my friend did last night. To ask Jesus into your heart. It doesn't matter what age you are. If you're here and you're just not sure. Or you're here and you're sure you wouldn't go to heaven. Because you've never truly asked Jesus Christ to come into your life as your Savior. Then right now with nobody looking around please. Would you just raise your hand nice and high. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer that you can pray silently where you are. God bless you. Okay, for those of you who have raised your hand, would you pray this prayer with me right now, silently, right where you are? Dear Lord Jesus Christ, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I repent of my sins. Lord, right now I invite you into my life. I give you my mind, my will, my emotions, my body my resources, be the CEO of my life. Lord, I pray that for everyone who prayed that prayer right now and meant it from their heart, didn't just say it, but meant it, I ask that you bear witness with their spirit that they received Jesus Christ. That you would overwhelm them with a sense of peace and calm and confidence. And I thank you for them this morning and the commitment that these several individuals have made We give you the praise. We thank you that we're going to see each other in heaven. This morning as we come to the communion table, this is a special meal prepared for us by our Lord. The symbols are bread and the juice, which represents his body and his blood that was shed for you and me. This morning as we take these little elements, we hold them and we consume them. We take into ourselves the full meaning of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he did for us on the cross. And everyone who's a believer in Jesus Christ is welcome to this meal. You don't have to be a member of this church. But if you are not a follower of Jesus, you've not given your heart to him, then let the meal pass by. And if you're at that place where now you're ready, come and see me afterwards. And for those of you who prayed with me just a couple of minutes ago, and there are several of you who did, welcome to, welcome to communion. Welcome to this meal that illustrates what Jesus Christ just did for you. He loves you so much. The Bible says that the Lord, on the night that he was betrayed, took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As you receive your little piece of bread, would you hold it in your hand? And just while we worship, just think about heaven for a minute. Think about God and being in his presence. Then I'll come back up and we'll partake together.